0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management. Welcome to Raising the Bar with your host, Amy Bredo. Do you ever listen to that inner voice, the one that tells you that you can achieve great things just by giving yourself a little push? Making that voice heard is what this show is all about. What if you could turn your negatives into positives? You'll hear from others who have embraced that personal drive and will help you raise the bar. Now, here is Amy Bredo.
1: Good morning, everybody. You are listening to Raising the Bar. My name is Amy Bredo, and today I've got two guests to introduce you to. Today we're going to cover some topics that I feel are pretty important in today's world, with a lot of the kids around and the college generation and even younger, my first guest I'd like to introduce you to is Sandra Reish. She is another host on Voice America, and she is the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression, a best selling author of a book on relationships. And like I said, she's also a host of another show here on Voice America called Straight Talk. Sandra, welcome, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm I- so happy to be here with you, Amy. I'm I'm thankful. And I also wanted to introduce, I'll try not to go into mom mode, my son. His name is uh, Joey Bredo, same last name. And um, yes, he still goes by Joey. Sorry, kid. But I wanted to bring him on today as well, Sandra, because, you know, he's had some experiences that he feels are important to share and kind of what's going on in society today. I know that when we spoke the other day, you told me you had been you know, researching and studying lately on depression and anxiety in today's culture. And I just kind of wanted to hear what you had to say about that and maybe what your opinion is on how heavily medicated um, this kind of – is it Generation Y? What are you?
2: Um, generation –
1: Whatever. We're millennials. Millennials, we're millennials. Sorry, I can't keep it straight. There's so many. I I don't, I don't know either which generation but. we're talking about,
3: <laughs> but I I do know that depression and anxiety, without a doubt, are on the increase, is particularly in our youth, and um, medicated or otherwise. I think we got to get to the root of the problem. Uh, I don't mean me and you necessarily, or me, you, and Joey, but I do mean that we have a problem in society because depression, and anxiety keep going up and up and up, and so there's a lot of research on why that is, and we can talk a little bit why that is. Um, uh, but we are producing a society filled with these issues, which, you know, I run the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression. It's definitely good for business, but it's not a good thing. I'd right. rather run another business. So it's not a good thing. We gotta take care of this.
1: I agree. And you know it's interesting and a lot of the reason that Joey came on today is because I think that there's a lot of signs that uh, us as as parents and even siblings to, you know, others can can see. You know, I know in in my personal experience with Joey, he was always kind of um, an anxious kid. and I, And I really couldn't figure out why, and I always tried to take the right steps and talk it through. And I think I really, really noticed in him probably about age nine that he seemed like he was always – often in distress, I shouldn't say always, but often in distress. We had a big move out of state. Um, The level of anxiety was very high, you know, and I know kids have sometimes a hard time moving, but it was different. It was something in my gut as a mom that said, you know, something isn't right. I actually took um, my two children that were school age at the time out of the schools where we were, although they were great, and homeschooled them for a year. And not to be that kind of parent- that keeps their, her kids in a bubble, but because I just knew something wasn't right. And um, I know Joey will share a little bit more of his experiences then. But do you think that, you know, looking back, I can say now, you know, I, I wish I would have, have sought out a counselor. I didn't realize that a nine-year-old kid could be anxious or actually be experiencing symptoms of anxiety. Do you find that you see children that age or are they more into their teen years? It's actually, you know,
3: Amy. It's actually unbelievable. We've had people. We've had um, infants come in at one years old, displaying symptoms of anxiety. Um, when I opened the clinic, it was we mainly treated adults? I would say that forty nine to fifty percent of our cases now are children or adolescents. It's it's very very common.
1: Do you think it's stemming from change? Do you think it's stemming from kind of a culture where? Uh, I I think as parents, you know, you'll see kids on sports teams or different activities and, you know, everybody feels like they need to live up to something or everybody needs to make everybody feel accepted. Or I feel like in, uh, you know, I'm 42. In my generation, you know, everybody didn't make the team. Everybody didn't get a trophy for participation. You know, kids are are mean, I think, no matter what generation we're in. But I don't feel like I saw you know, the existence of so much anxiety and and pressure. I feel like there's so much pressure on these kids at such a young age.
3: There is a lot of pressure, and uh, add into that, there's a lot of disconnection. I mean, we didn't grow up with the internet. We didn't grow up with Facebook. We didn't grow up with these things. So um, there's a lot of problems showing up in relationships, in couples, in adolescence. Uh, Joey, I'm curious if you, what your thoughts would be on this in terms of a society that you can hang around with people, and they're looking at their phone all day. They're not even connecting with each other. The research shows, and I don't know, you know if you feel that, but the research shows that this is actually producing anxiety and depression because we actually are social creatures. We need to connect.
2: Yeah. You know, I think that my generation with the Facebook, Twitter and all the rest of them, Instagram and whatnot, I feel like we use that a lot of times to display this facade that our life is perfect and we try to live, live through that and we don't know how to communicate sometimes when there is an issue because we're so used to communicating through that type of avenue, so to speak. So I really do think there's a huge disconnect.
1: Right. I have a, I have a question, too. I'm sorry to um, interject here. You know, when you were nine years old and we moved out of state and, and that anxiety was really starting to build when you were about nine or 10 years old in fourth grade, um, you know, Sandra, I can remember we had a swimming pool in our backyard, and I can remember Joey went into the house for something, and I don't know what it was, but I was like, you know, I'm going to go in and grab whatever and check on him. And I walked into the house, and we had a, um, a two-story foyer where we lived, you know, where the balcony kind of goes across the foyer, so one side is exposed, and um, the kids used to like, to like throw balls and socks and all kinds of things over the edge, and never thought much about it. I walked into the house one summer day and Joey was standing on the opposite side of the railing. So clearly if he would have fallen, he would have hit the tile floor and that would have been a disaster. And I I didn't understand at the time what he was thinking or doing. I snapped into mom mode, like, what are you doing? Quit climbing. He was always a climber, jumped on everybody, (laughs) jumped on the the couches and everything. And, And later... I think even after we moved back to the Chicago area where he began to vocalize that he was thinking about killing himself at nine years old. Oh, my God. uh, And now this is long before Facebook, before um, social media, and we're a pretty active family. I feel like we've always done a a good job of communicating, and Joey can give his own opinions on that, and I just – It's hard to talk about without getting emotional, so I'm trying to do a good job with that. But You're doing great. Thanks. (laughs) But I I didn't know. You know, I I didn't know. And so, you know, what are these signs that we can tell parents to look for? I feel like just telling parents, like, do not get your kids a cell phone. Do not allow social media. And I know that seems crazy, but I feel, I mean, Joey, do you think that social media – as you got into your teenage years, now Joey will be 21 in July, you know, so it's like half his life with it, half without it. Do you think that drove it to, to make it any worse? You
2: know, I'm not too active on social media and stuff, but in terms of when I was nine, I didn't know how to articulate what exactly I was feeling. And a lot of times, like when babies cry, they can't talk. So that's how they, you know, tell you that they need you or there's an issue. And when you're, Nine years old or younger, and e- even probably fourteen years old. How do you articulate? I I don't want to live anymore. I'm feeling like it's, it's. I'm so overwhelmed. How do you articulate that when you're so young? So I think uh, in educ the education for this anxiety and depression needs to be a little better because I think it's it's not taboo, so to speak, but a lot of people are too scared to talk about it, and that's one reason that I want to talk about it because. A lot. Of, it, it's something that a lot of people have shamed me for when I've actually talked to them about it. But, you know, I'm not ashamed of it. It's, it's, a, was, it's part of my life. You know, I'm not defined by my depression, by my anxiety. Because any other disease or sickness, so to speak, you wouldn't say, I am cancer. But when someone is depressed, they say, I am depressed, or I, I feel anxious or something. Like that. So we're not defined by it.
3: Well, you know, it's interesting listening to you talk, Joey, because I think that uh, I should also put out there that insight is linked with depression and you're clearly a very insightful guy. Um, And so that's another factor. And the reason that insight is linked with depression is because you you have such a great I can hear the way you talk. You have such a great understanding of, uh, you know, what's happened to you. And I I don't know, there's just a maturity in your voice and the more we understand about um, human nature and the challenges of human nature, unfortunately, and this is why therapists fall like flies, by the way, and they do, is unfortunately that's very, very linked with um, some depression because as humans, we are still messing up in a lot of areas. So being a sensitive, insightful kid would have played a role as well. There are many factors. You know, disconnection is one. Uh, insight is another. And the role of emotions is another big one, is how parents raise their kids in terms of emotions. We're still coming out of a generation of boys don't cry, and that's also very problematic. And then there's, of course, genetic and chemical factors. There's a lot
1: of factors at play here.
3: You
1: know, that's interesting, and in that that is also so much to be taken into consideration because as Joey's... Um, journey through this unfolded over the years, I learned that, you know, my biological father, who I don't speak with, he has three bipolar sisters. You know, they're, you know, my mother has wrestled with some things. I've wrestled with some things, you know, and I've always been a huge advocate of counseling. I am I am like, I have a bad day. I'm like, oh, maybe I need to call the counselor. And I'm not saying I always do. I just, I think that that's what they're there for. And there's nothing wrong with seeking out help so that they can equip you and give you the tools to process. Um, you know, Joey's journey, he always kind of, we kind of have a twisted sense of humor in our family. So, you know, he would do things sometimes and I would be like, geez, you're OCD. And we'd laugh or, you know, we would talk about things, but I didn't realize how those little anxious habits really would manifest themselves later in, um, into his freshman year of college when he was away in Florida and we were still here in Chicago. And, uh, just to kind of get you up to speed, you know, Joey went away. And if I, if you need to interject, please go ahead. And I just noticed him, um, Doing things that just were, you know, it wasn't out of character for him to get aggravated. But, you know, at one point in the spring semester, he had broken his phone, and I thank God for it every second because he had to Skype me. And we were Skyping one day, it was the Thursday before Easter, and he did not look right, Sandra. He just, uh, He just didn't look right. And it's the only way I can describe it. And again, it was like one of those moments in my gut as a mother that I was like, hey, I'm going to come and see you for Easter and it's going to be really great. He's like, oh, you don't have to do that. I'm like, oh, no, I I need to escape winter. I'm coming to Florida. Now, keep in mind, it's Thursday before Easter, right? And he's like, okay, that sounds great. But I could just tell by his face that something was wrong. And so I get off the computer, and, of course, then I, that's when I cry, and I tell my husband, I'm like, he's going to kill himself. Like, I need to go. Some, something isn't right. I got on a plane the next day, and, I, and you know this, that four or five days that I was down there was – like the most insane roller coaster. Now, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he did have a crazy girlfriend at this time. So uh-huh, I'll uh-huh. see if I can put a little bit there. But just watching him go back and forth and be anxious and not want to stay and then stay. And, you know, we got everything ironed out. We got things packed up and sent home. He stayed and finished his finals, came back, could not get him into a psychiatrist to save my life. I, I can't even tell you um, – and we have just a few minutes here, how many I called and they were six or eight weeks out. So what I did thinking that I was doing the right thing. And I think for the moment it was, we just went to our doctor, explained what happened and he got on some medication and, um, you know, we just have about three minutes here, but I want to, want to get your opinion and your views on medication and, and whether you feel it's kids being over medicated, um, I just I feel like it's it's a good thing it can serve its purpose, but how many of our youth are on it because they need to be versus the issues being addressed? Is it a band aid?
3: Well, you know, here is how it works in, in my view. Um, I I think that. People are over-medicated all over the place. So you'll cut me off when you have to go to break and we'll come okay. back after it. But I think people go to the doctor when they have a cold and get um, antibiotics and we shouldn't be taking antibiotics for cold. So I think it's similar to that, you know, I don't know how it works exactly where you are, but here, like if a, a doctor has seen a pharmaceutical rep during the day and they were very much promoting this particular antidepressant, I think that there's a likelihood that the doctor, you know, here there's only a certain amount of time the doctor can spend with the patient. I think I mean, there's a likelihood it's, it can be a bandaid. On the other hand, I do agree with you. There are, and there are very good tests that can be done on someone when people are moderately to severely depressed, they're drowning. Right. And so even therapy is not going to work. And I think there is a place for medication. So in a way I would say that we are over medicated because it's too fast. People are, I don't I think people are missing that step of psychotherapy, but in mm-hmm. another way, I think medication has its place.
1: I agree with you, and, you know, we don't need to mention which medication it was because I don't want to start, you know, an argument over over that, but uh, I agree with you in many respects of how sometimes, yes, something is introduced to the doctor. They can only spend X amount of time per patient, which is unfortunate because I'm sure it's not why they went into medicine. No. And, um, you know, trying to find the right medications without the adequate amount of psychotherapy, Proved in our family, at least for Joey, to not uh, necessarily be the the proper the proper route. And um, in the last moment here, Joey, when you first went to the doctor, and we just have about a minute, and he put you on that medication, like emotionally, how did that make you feel? Did it feel like it was gonna?
2: Well, I was I was hoping the medicine would help because you know I had I hadn't had any therapy at that point, but. I mean, I never wanted to be a person who wanted to be was on medicine, but I always felt too prideful that I could take care of myself. But luckily, I got on the right medicine, and it's helped significantly.
1: Um, yes, and, and we can talk a little bit about that journey yeah. to finding the right medication. You know, Sandra, do you ever uh, find or work with any of your patients that have – been medicated, and we can come back to this in a a few moments when we come back from the break. But I'm curious to see, is there ever a transition period where your patients end up being able to come off their medication um, maybe through dietary changes or behavioral changes and, and being equipped with those tools to kind of be able to resolve maybe some anxiety symptoms so it's just a quick thought we'll come back to that in just a moment Um, you are listening to Raising the Bar with my lovely guest Sandra Rich and my handsome guest Joey Bredo and we'll be back in just a moment.
4: Have you considered expanding your family through adoption, but don't know where to start? Are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start? Reach out to the community at the Echo Foundation. The Echo Foundation offers five distinct areas of support for those children in need throughout the world. We are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond for more information please visit amybrado.com and click on the echo foundation that's amybrado.com and click the echo foundation there are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world it's a global problem but you can make a huge difference you can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities Please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybrado.com.
0: You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: And welcome back. Again, you're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo, Sandra Reich, and Joey Bredo. And we were just discussing uh, depression, anxiety, being medicated, not being medicated. And uh, Joey, you were sharing your – you know, we were sharing your story about freshman year of college. And now since you were nine years old, you had wrestled with anxiety and worry and kind of – I, I want to say you would fixate on things. Am yeah. I incorrect? And okay, no, yeah. I don't want to insult you. Um, so, you know, when Joey came back from college after that semester, he kind of was still on the fence on whether he was going to return to that school. We got him to the doctor. He got on medication, and Sandra, it was like watching somebody climb up a really big hill and then roll down very, very quickly, probably in a five to six week period. Wow. Yeah, and Joey kept saying like mom this medicine isn't right. This medicine isn't right. And um do you want to go ahead and share your
2: Yeah, drink? so I don't want to attribute everything to the medication, but I am sure it played a big role. It I just got to the point where I I couldn't handle it anymore, so to speak, and it was just I didn't know how to deal with it. Every morning I woke up with the heaviness in my chest, just in Overcome with anxiety. I, I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't want to live anymore. And um, I couldn't, I didn't want to talk about it because I was ashamed because I felt like I didn't deserve to feel the way that I felt because of the life that I have. My life's great, loving parents. I was working, lifting, playing soccer, you know, everything that a college guy would do but um you know i just didn't know how to handle it and i got to the point where i had a suicide attempt and beginning in the summer when i came home from florida as my mother was talking about i uh my f- two best friends sat me down and they looked at me like dude what's what what's wrong what's going on and i didn't know how to articulate because i didn't want to tell my two best friends how I thought it was weakness and I didn't want to tell my two best friends who were the same age but I kind of look – I'm the youngest one so I kind of look up to them as older brother figures and I didn't want to show that weakness, excuse me. So it was very, very tough to talk about but it it spiraled out of control very fast.
1: Do you want to share about – the the moment where you decided that you were going to take your life and then kind of that turning point where you decided no
2: yeah that was probably one of the most powerful moments in my life and do you, would you like me to go into detail about it, just because it's even. it's it's important to know that when i was at that point i was contemplating the point where you get to where you feel like I'm gonna take my life. It's it's gonna be over, and you're not gonna feel this pain anymore. And uh, I I just started crying, and I really do think God had something to do with it that I wasn't done here yet. And I just burst out crying, and luckily stopped myself from it. And the next day, I told my mom, I was like, Mom, if I don't go see someone and talk, I am it's I'm gonna end my life, and I'm not gonna be here anymore.
1: You know Ooh. that that moment as a parent. It was actually two oh days my later. God, yeah. It was actually two days later because
2: it, yeah. it, it
1: doesn't matter. But I remember this; it's burned in my brain. But you know, when your son tells you that he tried to hang himself, um, I it sounds so stupid. But Sandra, I was like, "Are you sure?" Like, I really think that was the first thing that came out of my mouth. Like, are you sure? And he said, yes, I have a note. Do you want to read it? And I said, no, I I don't want to read it. But we're going to go to the hospital right now. How do you feel about that? And, And thankfully, Joey was like, yeah, like something's not right. Like, yes, let's go. And so we did. And, you know, when we got there, I don't believe that he was treated very well initially. I think that there's a huge stigma to um, kids that attempt suicide that, you know, they're bad kids or they're all strung out or they're on drugs or they're doing things wrong. And he wasn't. He was a kid who was was struggling with some stuff and he needed, I think, some empathy and some compassion. And, And we did end up finding that and you know, as as Joey tells me, he kind of walked into the hospital like, "Okay, I'm here for a few days. Like, let's get to work." <laughs> and I think that um, finding the right medicine w- was obviously, you know, a huge thing, and and them equipping him with skills and tools and the ability to verbalize what he was feeling has has been why he has made such huge, huge progress. Um,
3: well, I, I think you're a very courageous uh, guy there, Joey, thank you. and um, you know it's funny because you were talking about uh, the shame you felt like depression as weakness, and um, it's so funny because it again comes back to this uh, repression of emotions that is so linked with depression and anxiety, and emotions we used to believe were weakness, and that's something we're still struggling with in this society is emotions are not weakness, emotions are strength.
1: You know, I love that statement and I wish that more people would say that, you know, we yeah. should get a freaking T-shirt, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's true. It needs to be a, a movement because I think – I'm sorry I'm speaking so much, Joey, but I, I think it's something that these, these kids – you know, my kids range from 15 to, to 21 like Joey, so – it's like they don't know what to do with themselves besides you know stare at that phone or shut down and if they knew that emotion was a strength and they were able to not just know it but believe it yeah i think we would be watching and raising a whole different society of kids right now. Well, this is really where we
3: need to go as a society because it's, the research is just unequivocal on this, that emotions are the way, they're our guidance system. We need our emotions and uh, it starts early in life that we, we take emotions away from children and uh, it's a really huge problem. Just, that, that's why anxiety and depression, we see so much of it. It's usually one of the first questions I ask someone when they're depressed is, how do you do with the emotion of anger? And they'll they'll often say, oh, I don't get angry or I get angry all the time, both of which are signs of, um, you know, repress, repression that's going on that's going to turn in on yourself um, as a symptom. You know, I think of anxiety and depression sometimes as your body trying to get your attention. Uh, it's like, hello, you need to pay attention to me. And I don't mean your physical health. I mean, actually, if you will, your inner child, like almost like something you're not attending to something inside of you that's in pain and needs that attention and if you don't pay attention you're going to get a symptom and some people get depression and some people get cancer but you're going to get a symptom
1: ah, that's And depression is such a cancer in so many ways.
3: Yes, but I I consider the depressed and the anxious in some ways, and that's why they're intuitive people. They're they're luckier in a way because when you get a cancer, sometimes it's over. And I think as long as you're smart like Joey and you come forward, depression and anxiety are highly, highly treatable. You talked about nutrition. You talked about medication. You talked about exercise. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, incredibly treatable. We have an incredibly high success rate at the clinic. So um, you know, given the choice I'd take depression or anxiety, we have to just take the stigma out of it so people get the help. Because when you're in a dark spot, it feels like the sun is never gonna come out again, but the sun does come out again. Joey, isn't that right?
2: Yeah, that that is for sure. I mean the sun the sun is only brighter when you come out of something like that because it's been dark for so long. And- yeah. Like, like you were saying, the stigma needs to be removed so people can get the help that they need. That's why I'm coming forward and obviously talking about this because I don't wish this upon anyone. I'm right. sure n- no one wants to feel like they're so helpless that they can't help themselves and they can't get help from other people when there's so many resources out there that can help people.
3: Well, I think you and your mom are doing something really amazing uh, by telling your story. I think that that's how we get the stigma out. And we really need to because, it, God forbid, we could lose someone just because they feel they're like you so well said that, you know, I am depression, you know, there's something wrong with me and not at all. It's a symptom and it's a symptom that needs to be taken care of.
1: What is your... Um so, you, you know, it's interesting and unfortunately interesting in a way to, for you to say that, you know, s- such a high percentage of patients are youth. You know, is, is there a way that you can even counsel the parents into, you know, different techniques or, or ways that they can parent their children in order to create an atmosphere of communication and verbalization of, of what their children are feeling? Well, you know, that's a big question. I think it starts right from the beginning in terms of
3: fostering, um, again, emotion, encouraging emotion. Like, you know, um, we, you know, we all make the mistake of saying to our children sometimes, no, you don't feel that way. Like if my daughter says she's tired, no, you're not tired. No. Uh, so we have to be very careful about that because sometimes they feel things that aren't comfortable for us. But we have to say, like I teach my children, like you're allowed to be angry, you're allowed to be sad, you're allowed to be fearful. doesn't mean you're allowed to break the glass door. Uh, but there has to be room for emotions, and the other thing that parents are struggling with in this generation very, very much is boundaries. And amazingly, boundaries work well to immunize someone against uh, depression, anxiety. So all of us grew up with, uh, the previous generation grew up with authoritarian parents. And what happened is it swung the other way and we became what's called laissez-faire parents, like, you know, live and let live, like we're going to be like best friends with our children. And that actually is a disaster. Um, I can't tell you how many times I have to tell parents that your kid will have many friends, they need parents. So um, boundaries and consequences, keep the communication alive and they also create structure and structure makes people feel safe so amazingly actually being a little tougher actually helps kids can you believe it
1: uh, yeah. you Go figure. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm analyzing my parenting a little bit as, as you're talking to me. Even <laughs> just in recent conversations with I'll just use Joey because I have a lot of kids in the house. But, you know, there's times when we'll be talking about college and his next steps through his studies and everything. And he'll get f- really frustrated. And then I have I have said, like, don't get angry or you yes. shouldn't be angry. No. Well, but he is. So he's, I, and he's alive. I apologize. I apologize, Joey. Don't worry <laughs> no. about it. I might be like, you're angry. We're going to talk later. Maybe I'll say that. I'm going to acknowledge you. <laughs> no, I think the key sentence
3: that we have to learn when someone's angry is, I see you're angry and I can understand why you're angry. I get it. Like it's hard to choose a college. I get that's hard, but you don't have to solve the problem for him and you don't have to victimize him. It's just creating a safe space for someone to express their emotions. And in terms of the boundaries, I mean, I say it all the time. It's all almost like my theme song. Imagine going out in a road that had no stop signs and no policemen and no speed limit. What would that feel like for you?
2: That'd be very scary.
1: That gave me anxiety just hearing that.
3: (laughs) That's what growing up without boundaries or when parents are too much, you know, I'm your best friend and whatever you want, it's fine. That's actually what it's like for kids. If you don't put the boundaries, it's like going on the street without speed limits.
1: Ugh, that's crazy. Now, in our next few moments, um, I would love for you to to share about. You know, I don't know. Do you have any other feedback for Joey? I feel, and maybe again, mom moment. Like I feel like you're on a, a really good path, and I, um, I'm really proud of you for for tackling this head on. And sh- don't laugh at me and sharing it with others because I really hope not only does it bring light the story that you shared, but it can bring hope and possibly give somebody some courage to step forward, you know, and and kind of face what they're dealing with so that they don't make that decision to take their life, that they, that they make that decision to talk and and hopefully they'll, you know, find the right person to talk to. Sandra, anybody that has any questions for you regarding the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression or, or what you do, what's the best way for them to contact you?
3: Uh, well, there's really three ways. They can go on the website, which is www.helpforanxietydepression.com. They can call us at 514-777-4530, or they can email us at info at helpforanxietydepression.com.
1: Uh, is it help for the word for, F-O-R, or is it the number? F-O-R. Before. That's what I figured I figured yep. you would say the number four, but I just wanted to ask um and in that, you know, I understand you're not always in the same area as people do you, does your facility offer um you know, counseling on the phone? Do you you work with any clients that way?
3: We do Skype, but what we found, uh, we actually just recently created an anxiety and depression video, well, we call it a video series. It's DVDs, actually, and they're digitally downloaded. So people, like if they're having a a moment, um, they can actually bring therapy into the comfort of their living room. Um, It's pretty profound. Again, treatment is is relatively um, easy in a way. I mean, it's not like a joke by no means, but it's um, anxiety and depression respond quite well to treatment. So we created this series so that people could go through the strategies uh, to help themselves step by step to start to feel better. I'm sure, Joey, as you started to see a little bit of sun, that gave you the strength to take the next step and the next step and the next step. Am I right?
2: Yes, for sure. I definitely agree with you 100%.
3: I'm curious, Joey, if I could ask you a question. What was the turning point?
2: To be Ooh, honest,
1: I, mean, I might have to interrupt you, but that's a great one. Go.
2: <laughs> to be honest with you, um, I don't. I can't pinpoint an exact moment in time. Like, oh, this was the moment that everything turned around. But it was because there were still some struggles after I got out of the hospital, trying to figure everything out. You know, there. I think it was I, Haley. Well. I had a. My. One of my best friends actually passed away from cancer a couple months after I got out of the hospital. So, so I wouldn't say it, it set me back maybe one or two steps in terms of dealing with my emotions, but I want to say probably the turning point it would definitely be this past summer when I decided to do a study abroad in Columbia because this was one of the first times where I made a decision and I was feeling a lot of anxiety about it, but. I conquered that and I went through with it and I went. This it was a milestone for me to make a decision, carry carry through with it and I'm so happy that I did.
3: It's amazing. And I know you have to go to break. So when we come back, like I, this is your show, so I'm not I'm sorry. It sounds like I'm hijacking. No, I love uh, it. I love no, it. I just, I just want to say that Joey just brought up something very important. I think we should talk about if we may is, which is um, avoidance. So let's just put that out there because if Joey did something there with the trip, that is very, very powerful. So uh, good job, Joey. Thank you.
1: <laughs> and we are going to be back in just a moment, and. We're going to talk about avoidance. So, you are listening to Raising the Bar, and we'll be back in just a moment.
4: There are over 147 million orphans and at risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on-the-ground serving opportunities. Please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybrado.com. Have you considered expanding your family through adoption, but don't know where to start? Are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start? Reach out to the community at the ECHO Foundation. The ECHO Foundation offers five distinct areas of support for those children in need throughout the world. We are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond. For more information, please visit AmyBredo.com and click on the ECHO Foundation. That's amybredo.com and click the Echo Foundation.
0: You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Brado. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show
1: and welcome back and so that we can pack in as much as possible in the next few minutes uh that we're together you know sandra you had pointed out a really great point about avoidance and i know we just spoke a little bit over the break and gave you some insight and um a little more of the details on some of joey's turning point and kind of the sunny direction so if you want to go ahead and pick up with your question your point. Sorry. Well, I just wanted to say
3: that, I mean, Joey, it sounds like instinctively um, this trip that you went on, um, you know, you were nervous about it. And um, I don't know if you did it instinctively or if it was a discussion you had. But the thing is, the problem is that when we feel anxious or depressed, that our natural inclination is to avoid. And avoidance will actually get us more anxious and more depressed. The more you avoid, the more anxiety or depression you're going to get. So it was very powerful. What you did is somehow you got yourself to go. So I totally understand why that would be a turning point, because you learned something about yourself. You learned you could do it. And that's very, very um, immunizing and very empowering. So, you know, I'm wondering how you did that.
2: Um, well, when I was actually purchasing the ticket, my dad was sitting next to me and I said, should I get the insurance in case I have to cancel my flight? He's like, why are you going to cancel your flight? I'm like, well, in case I get worried to go. And he said, absolutely not. If you, not in a mean way, but he's said, if you purchase it, when you purchase this ticket, you're going, you need to,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't you, think I was aware of this conversation. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> need,
2: you need to go. Cause I don't think you should back out of. This opportunity I think would be a very important opportunity for your development as a young, young man and I think it, as well as – it was in Colombia so I got to learn Spanish or improve my Spanish and it was a fantastic opportunity. But the thing is, is you, you can't run. You can't spend your whole life running from things that you're scared yeah. of.
3: That's so. That's so good. That's a good example of also the parenting challenge. You see, because when our kids are anxious, we naturally want to protect them. So we want to take away what's causing the angst. But actually, by doing that, we're actually the monster is getting bigger. So in fact, if you're as long as your father said lovingly, which it sounds like he did, he actually did a really good thing there. Because you know, you see your kids struggling. You want to take them out of the difficult situation, but that is actually going to produce more anxiety and more depression. So. it's just wonderful that you did that. I, I, I'm not your mother, but I'm very proud of you. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, actually, both my parents have been very important in my decision-making processes because they, bo- they both tell me lovingly, obviously, like, if, you, if you're in this stagnant state trying to make these decisions, you're never going to move forward with your life. If you make a decision and it's a mistake, you can fix that mistake and keep moving forward. But the important thing is to always keep moving forward.
3: You have great parents, you're making don't, me
1: cry. Don't,
2: don't don't tell them that.
3: <laughs> okay. Okay.
2: We, we are no, on yes. the air, Joey. Yeah. Yes. No. <laughs> actually,
1: I, sitting right next to you. Well, okay. No. Yeah, Excellent. Sh-
3: that's yes. you know what, you, what your son just said. I mean, if that's not a testimony to you I, to you guys, I don't know what is.
1: I hope it's, the other three kids feel like that. <laughs>
2: I think they do. So that's good.
1: <laughs> or one out of four is beautiful. Not I'm,
3: I'm pretty touched myself.
1: Um thanks joey you know I, I have to say as a mom to watching him kind of struggle you know i can compare it to like the butterfly coming out of the cocoon because he did have a separate conversation with me like oh my god i can't go wait i gotta go i can't go and we laugh and that's how we joke around and we'll be like okay when you're done having the conversation with yourself let me know you know but seeing that look of satisfaction on his face like i'm going and then he went and about a week into the trip i remember he uh called me or you texted me or something on whatsapp and he was like i gotta come home like it's 24 7 spanish my brain is gonna explode i can't take it and you know interestingly his brother is from ethiopia and he was about 11 when we adopted him and i remember him telling me how exhausting it was to hear the english all the time yeah and i'm like talk to your brother just go to bed like ish ish would say i just had to go to sleep Like when the English was over, like too much, I just had to go to sleep and, and then eventually you'll get used to it. So you got to, you know, way to depend on good old ish to just, you know, he's pretty cut and dry. (laughs) He doesn't, you know, um, he makes decisions, right? I mean, he, he's, he makes easier decisions. They're also sometimes not the best ones, but he makes the decisions. So it was interesting that I was like, no, you know, don't come home, give it time. And he was so glad he did. And when he got back, that, that growth that I could see in him as an adult and, and just emotionally was amazing. It was just, it was well, like a, re, a rewarding thing to see him go through.
3: Well, it's, it's it definitely what you were saying to him was really, and you know, really is true. It was good parenting, you know, not to rush to rescue him and just say, give it a chance. I mean, that's what we have to do. And sometimes it's hard because it's, I don't like to see my kids in any kind of discomfort. But I got to sometimes sit on my hands and know that discomfort is very much a part of life. Right, right. You know, the Greatest gift you can give your child is resiliency, not happiness, resiliency.
1: Uh, the ability you know
3: to be... Yes, mm-hmm. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. The ability to be it. Because if I give my child happiness, what happens when the dark days come? But if I give her resiliency or my son resiliency, then when the dark day comes, they'll know what to do.
1: So that's what we have to do as parents. When the dark day comes, they'll know what to do. Resiliency. I mean, that's huge. And I only repeat that because it's such an important statement to an advice to give a parent at any you know, wherever they are in their journey of parenting, whether it's young kids, old kids, if you know, if our kids are grown and we didn't do that for them and now we're learning this skill now, yeah. then yeah. God, please tell your kids, yeah. your adult children, to create resiliency in their own children. Because we are Absolutely. creating a society of kids that walk around with a band-aid the minute they're out of the wound and Whoa. Wound? Oh, my you God. said The minute they walk out of the <laughs> Band-aid and wound went so together, wound. so my brain didn't work. Womb. Um, thanks, Joey. Yeah. You know, no that I feel like it's one of those things, like if somebody looks at you wrong, you've got to write a letter of apology.
0: And that yeah, is, no, not,
1: is yeah. not our world, unfortunately. And yeah, I want to – Go big ahead. problem, though, what you're saying. No,
3: I'm just agreeing with you. This is, like, such a huge problem, and uh, it really is not good for kids at all. And we are creating now. We're seeing 30-year-olds now who don't know how to do basic, like, they don't know how to get a job. They, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's unbelievable. It's, it's just really, as I said, you know, it it helps my clinic, but I'd rather it didn't because it's very frustrating to see. And I think parents, it's, it's really a mistake to right. uh, not uh, let your children fall and get up.
1: Yeah, you know, and falling has served a lot of us very well. And and that's and that's how we learn. You know, I wanted to touch back on your DVDs for a moment. And I know that people can go to your website to get those. that's a different website. That's a different website. I wanted to make sure we were pretty clear about where people can get those. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Oh, gosh, no. It's, uh, the website for the DVDs is
3: called, videos um, www.anxiety-videos.com. Anxiety-videos.com. They can get the videos instantly downloaded in the comfort of their home. So that's, that's pretty good. Uh, we have actually sessions one, session two, session three, and we have specialty series. We're actually just about to shoot a specialty series on depression. We have a parenting one coming out and we have one on people who have sleep problems. So, you can check it out. There's a little clip on the website of each one of these DVDs to uh, see what they're about.
1: And you know what? I'm also going to list all of your websites on my Raising the Bar Facebook page, as well as um, maybe we'll even include those in the e-card, because that would be a really great thing for people to be able to touch on quickly. But those websites are probably also listed on your page as well, correct?
3: Uh, I believe they are. I believe they are on my Straight Talk with Sandra Rich page, you mean?
1: Yes. 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 And, yes. Um, that's They're on the radio
3: one. page. They're on the Great. radio page. So Voice America Health and Wellness Straight Talk with Sandra Reish. You just search for it. Or you can just go to www.straighttalksandrareich.com, another easy one to remember, and it, all, everything will be there.
1: I know if you just even Google Straight Talk, you pop up. So it's awesome. Oh, cool.
3: I didn't you know, know that.
1: What else we didn't really even dive into today is um, your different relationship. Uh, retreats and things that you do with that, you know, you you wrote your book uh, "Once Upon a Time," how so Cinderella grew up and became a happy, empowered woman. I think. Sorry, Joey, this does not include you. I think that <laughs> just me reading that title, I love that. Um, I like sarcasm too, by the way. So I, I wish I would have had a chance to grab a copy of that before we spoke. But then that's another show, and I think that would be great. But okay, what other? Yeah, what other services? if that's the right way to say it, do you offer or what else can we tell our listeners about you?
3: Well, I'm very passionate about couples um, and the dance that goes on uh, in relationships, which, by the way, does affect kids enormously because kids um, are only as happy as their parents are. So um, I got very involved in doing couple retreats, and I do them all over the place. Uh, we did one in Mexico last year. We're going to do another one in Mexico, and we're doing one near Montreal. So uh, those are really great for whether you're doing really good in your relationship and you want to take it to the next level or if you're struggling in your relationship and want to have better Communication skills. And again, keeping it relevant to Joey, um, the couple retreats even end up, they ultimately do end up talking about parenting to a certain extent and helping people to just you know have a really great relationship the vibe in the house affects everybody uh, just like depression and anxiety are very contagious so I'm going to always bring it back to that so people come on my couple retreats not necessarily because they're depressed or anxious but you'd be surprised uh, I just had on a guest on my show um talking about when your couple's not going well that's a very much a recipe for depression or anxiety so I I only wish just like Joey and you are bringing the stigma out of depression I only wish we would take the stigma out of couples and it's no it's not like the movie couple retreat nobody has to reveal I was a just going to ask
1: yeah, so. no, it's a good movie no.
3: Yeah, it is a fun movie but that's the biggest fear of the men that they're going to have to come and tell their private stories not at all you don't have to reveal a single thing about yourself you learn and you go practice with your partner and we do this at beautiful settings and it's it's pretty life-changing let's put it this way everyone who came to mexico last year is coming back this year so i think it's kind of that so. retreat uh, the Mexico one is November 7th to the 10th. And if you don't want to wait till then, we have one near Montreal in the beautiful mountains of Mont-Tremblant on um, May 16th to the 19th. So please call us 514-796-4357 if this is something that interests you. And if, you're, if the male partner is saying, I don't want this, it's going to be too kumbaya. I promise you the men were more excited about it than the women by the end.
1: You know first of all, November seventh is my birthday, and I feel like what a there's no better time to go to Mexico in my opinion right, right. <laughs> and <laughs> um, we'll get to meet yeah, that would be great, and I look forward to that. I know you and I have so many other things in common that we have discussed yes, you know yes, off, uh, the offline so i'm I'm looking you know forward to my relationship with you growing and I just I wanted to thank you for coming on today because there's so again so much misunderstanding and stigma. To anxiety and depression, again talking about how it is just so um, prevalent in our youth, and I just I really appreciate you, Joey, coming on and, and sharing your your story. I know we've we've looked into other avenues into speaking about it, and there wasn't really the opportunity. So I'm kind of glad that those didn't work out because I I I think that you've got a, a great story to share that is showing a path of success.
2: Yeah, as long as my if my story can help save one life, then. I it, everything was worth it. So I hope that I have more speaking opportunities in the future to help people out through my story.
3: Joey, I will personally put this uh this uh podcast up on all my sites because I think that you've been so open and it it really deserves an audience. So who knows someone might pick it up and it is a story I think you, you know, you need to tell people and I think it's just wonderful what you're doing. I I'm very inspired by you.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Wow. So in, in our last few moments here, Sandra, I would like to um, draw attention, everybody, to our guest, to Miss beautiful Sandra Reese. She does host a, sh- a show called Straight Talk on the Voice America Network. So please tune into her. You really cover topics that stretch beyond anxiety and depression, obviously. And yep. I think that, you know, I've listened to some of your shows. I, th- I think that you have a very a sensitive heart and you're you know you're you're, you're honest i like yeah. that you know you don't beat around the bush but no. you um have a great sensitivity about you and i think that's what brings you success more so than unfortunately, the chaos in our society right now with the anxiety and depression. So I feel like you would be successful with whatever you're doing. But I look forward to hearing more about your um, the retreat that you put on in May. We'll have to definitely reconnect and, and catch our listeners up on that. And also, um, anything else you'd like to share that I may have missed? I, I think... Um I think we covered everything. I really do. I, I Well, feel-
3: I, I want to thank you, first of all. I mean, um, you know, it takes one to know when you obviously have a sensitive heart, too. And um, you're my kind of girl, so I do hope we will speak again. Um, I really enjoyed this time with you and your son. And I think what you're doing is just fabulous. And your show is really great. I, I really welcome to the Voice America family. Thank you. Um, I uh, let people know that my show is on Thursdays, but hopefully we'll get you on my show as well. So they'll get to hear you, um, because I, the topics you're talking about are just fabulous. And I'm just really happy that you reached out to me, Amy. You're, you're, you're a very special person.
1: I appreciate it. I I just, again, I I don't know. I'm on this drive of getting uncomfortable, staying uncomfortable, encouraging people to, uh, you know, break stigmas and, and do great things. So I wanted to thank you so much, Sandra, for your time. Thank you, Joey. You've been listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. And we look so forward to seeing you next week. Take care.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Raising the Bar. Please listen for another edition with your host, Amy Bredo, next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, get out there and keep raising the bar.